on nearer. It's quite a song. It really is. Quite, quite, a, quite a desire, quite a prayer. I pray that would be the prayer of our own hearts, that we would always be desiring, have that inner desire to be ever nearer to God. And uh, it reminds me of that other great hymn, Nearer My God to Thee. I mean, boy, I tell you what, sometimes uh, our hearts get callous, but praise the Lord when they begin to desire the closeness of God again. And uh, I'm thankful for that. We're looking at Ephesians chapter 1 this morning. And uh, if any of you have ever <clears throat> been to our house, in the front of the house, there's some rocks stacked up. <laughs> it's actually, <laughs> which house? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we only have one house <laughs> at a time. Okay. And there's these, these, these rocks on the front of the entryway that are stacked up. And they're beautiful rocks. The guy, the mason who put them on, just did a beautiful job and... Uh, they did an excellent job with it. Other masons have been at the house to do stuff. They're like, wow, that's a really nice job. And, uh, and it's just, it's beautiful. And uh, I brought the rocks out of the woods and out of the ground, and we dug them up and brought them up and, and all of that. And it's really, it's a really, uh, it's a beautiful look. It looks nice. We like it. <clears throat> They're off of our own property. It's kind of neat. But there's even a better backstory to it. Right? And the better backstory is um, my wife brought them all up. Uh, no, no, she really didn't. Uh, she, no. I tried to get her to drive the skidster one time, and she just had no desire to drive that thing. And, uh, but, uh, no, the backstory is my wife was raised on this place, and she's about, I don't know, fourth, fifth generation, something like that. Fifth generation on the same property that her great-great-grandfather homesteaded. And the great-great-grandfather that homesteaded this uh, built all of these, had all of these, these walls built throughout the property. Beautiful rock walls all through the place. And uh, if you look at some of the old censuses from about 1850, you'll notice he had hired hands. Uh, one was from Ireland. The other was local, anyway. Um, and he had all these hired hands and stuff. And there, no doubt there's a history behind the building of these walls. And, but what I'm saying is there's this huge backstory that makes it even more cool. I mean, there's more of a wow factor when you, when you look at all of the history behind and then you see how many hands, I wonder who have touched those rocks or who placed them there. And now they're on the front of our house. And if you walk into our house, there's some in the fireplace that makes a fireplace. And it's just, it's just really, really cool. When you get behind the scene, when you get a behind the scene story, what is already great takes on kind of another dimension of coolness, all right, for the lack of a better word. It gets a wow factor to it, okay, at least for, for me. But even if it's not this, you all have had this experience in life with something, whether it's uh, walking into Bass Pro Shops and going, wow, this is incredible. And then maybe you watch some documentary or something of the background. It's like, oh, wow, that's even more cool. And you, you know what I mean, all right? There's a backstory that it just adds to the greatness of what you already enjoyed. You know, when we got saved... There was a wow factor there, wasn't there? I hope there was. I really do. There was something that, boy, I tell you what, when, when the God of heaven moved in, I say this often, when the God of heaven moves in, I'm, I'm friend, you're going to know it. I mean, you're going to know something's changed and that we're new creatures in Christ Jesus. And I don't know how it was for you. I know how it was for me. I mean, there is just, there is just this overwhelming, uh, uh, 
understanding and knowledge that I've been cleansed, that my past is gone, that, that, I, am, uh, that I am clean before God, that everything has been gone and I'm a new creature in Christ and God lives in me. And there's all of this wow factor that went along with, with our salvation. And, and everybody, I, I know there's people that, that experience that, that different. They come to it at different times of life, which has an effect how they respond to it. I know a child won't necessarily respond the same way somebody does who has been saved out of a life of sin and I understand that but no matter what even the child will get older and there's still the wow factor because the same same eternal God living in you is living in them and it's just it's just good isn't it not it's just a wonderful wonderful thing but sometimes admit it now sometimes the farther you get down the word and is it farther or further I hate that those two words I can't remember them correctly but the longer you get down the road here you go the the, the, the more you get down the road the more listen to me please the more we can get, not, not that the wow goes away necessarily, but the more you can get used to the wow. You can get used to it. I mean, when somebody mentions it, it's great. When, when the preaching comes out, something in your soul stirs up and it's wonderful, right? But sometimes a little bit of the wow gets kind of, oh, wow, that's cool. It wasn't quite the, oh, when you got saved, right? It, is go, it, 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 can, it can tend to, uh, we can get used to it a little, a little bit, okay? But what I want to look at today in Ephesians chapter 1, and I want to ask this question, what do you do when you've gotten used to the wow? Some may say it this way, you've heard it this way. Well, you know, sometimes you've lost the wonder of it. I like that phrase. I like how that's worded. Because there is a wonder in our salvation. There's, not, there's this glorious wonder that it's just amazing to us that when we really stop and we meditate on the things of God, we meditate on the Word of God, we come away with this marveled wonder that God would come up with such a thing for me. And you've come that to yourself. And the question I do want to look at again today is, what, so what do we do when we've gotten used to the wow? And kind of like the backstory I started with this morning, the inside scoop, it added, that adds another interest, another dimension of interest to something that is already good. I may be wrong, I could be corrected, okay, I'm fine with that. But I kind of see Ephesians 1 as a little bit of a backstory of our salvation. A little bit of a backstory, a little bit of a, we're the wow, I mean, another dimension to the wow factor when Paul here begins to, by the Holy Spirit of God, begins to dive into what is behind the word or just the, the, the place where we are, just the relationship that we're in, what really the depth of what is behind our salvation. Here's what I'm praying for this morning. I'm praying this morning that it would flame, that, that would flame, that's the word I'm looking for, that it would flame the fires that God started when we got saved. Yeah. You know, I have a fireplace. Some of you have wood stoves and fires. Some of you have had them, and, right? Fires go dim, don't they? Oh, the coals are still there. There's still heat coming off of it. There's still warmth, but sometimes you've got to fan the flame. Man, I can't say that. Right? You get the billow out and you start like this. 
Or you talk the grandkids into blowing on it, right, and see who passes out first. What are you doing? You're fanning the flame. Well, you want to get that flame going again. Why? Because if you watch, if you don't, I mean, we, we, you know, we're, I'm thankful God, uh, a smoking flax and a burning candle, God doesn't put that out. Amen. We always have the indwelling spirit of God. But in a fire, in a fire, if you don't fan the flame, it eventually goes out and you lose the warmth and everything from it. And here's the deal. Our flame never goes out. Praise the Lord. But sometimes that, that flame needs to be fanned a little bit. You know what? It ha- you know what? Ephesians 1 did that for me. I hope it does that for you. I hope you see this. Look at, look at verse 2 in Ephesians 1. Let's, well, we'll start in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. We looked at this last week. Now, verse 2. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. That word grace there does not mean divine enablement like it does sometimes. Right here it just means favor and kindness and goodwill. Uh, Paul is is um, praying for the people at Ephesus that the, the favor and the kindness and the goodwill of God, which he knows is a fact, it will be, but he's bringing that to the remembrance of the kindness and the grace of God. He said, grace and peace be unto you. Once in a while, sometimes my, my closings on my emails, uh, on my church account, maybe on my other accounts, are sometimes I just close and said it sincerely. Sometimes I just close them. Grace and peace. My name. Grace and peace. So Paul said to the Ephesian church, grace and peace. Peace. Here's a long, you want to hear a long definition of peace? I know we don't need this. And it probably it's a waste of my breath because there's a lot of words here. But I kind of liked it. It says, of Christianity, Strong wrote this, of Christianity, the tranquil, think about tranquility, the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ. Oh, I like that. And so fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot of whatsoever sort that is peace, grace, Paul's Paul's saying grace and peace be unto you. We know that we have three things. We talk about the grace of the peace of God. We know that we have peace with God. Romans 5, 1, you know, we have the peace with that. We have peace with God being now justified by his grace. We have peace with God. We know that we have the peace of God in Philippians 4, 7, where Paul says that the peace of God that passeth all understanding uh, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We know we have the peace with God. We have the peace of God and we know that we have peace from God. Jesus says, my peace I leave unto thee. And we know this, we have the peace of God. So what is established, watch this, over and over and over again in the Word of God, and here again in Ephesians, is that our salvation, don't miss this, it is a relationship with the God of heaven. It's a relationship. It's not just a religion. It's not just a thing we do and a checklist and a life we live. It is a living person. We have a relationship, peace and grace because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look what he goes on to say, from God, our father. I've told you this before. The word, that term, our father is fairly foreign in the Old Testament. This is really something in this way that it's developed in the New Testament. It's something that Jesus has revealed, uh, that God is our father. Uh, Pray this way, our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That was really rather radical. It was was kind of a new thing that Jesus uh, established there. God, our father, look at in the Lord Jesus Christ, our elder brother. Grace and peace. Grace and peace 
from <laughs> grace and peace. Where is it from? God, our Father. Hold on. And the Lord Jesus Christ. What else is that establishing here but the divinity of the Lord Jesus Christ? Can grace and peace really come from any human being? No. Grace and peace can only come from God. And it's from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So look here, grace and peace. And he goes on to say, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in, uh, in Christ. So that word there, blessed, I like this. It, it's, I, I don't even know how to pronounce the Greek word. I could, it's, it's translated correctly here, the word blessed, right? Notice this, every time that it's used in the New Testament, it is only speaking of God. It is only directed to God. Blessed be, here it is, God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be, be, it's a place. It's a place of being. God is worthy of our praise. He's saying that word blessed, it means to praise. He says, praise be to God. Praise, it's a place of being. God is worthy of praise and he will always be worthy of our praise. Why? Because of who he is. Because of what he has done. Praise be to God. And here again, the divinity of the Lord Jesus Christ is established here once again. Praise be to God and what? The Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. Praise, uh, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's again undergirding the deity of Jesus Christ. This is what the cults don't want. This is what they contend with. This is what they say. This is what they disagree with. They say Jesus was not God. He was a good man. He was a good prophet. He was a good teacher. Uh, fill in the blank. But they'll say he wasn't God. And uh, the word of God is emphatic over and again. Yes, he is. Amen. And amen. He is a blessed Blessed be God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a statement and a declaration almost more than it is a command. It's in there. I mean, he is blessed for, and he is worthy of praise, but it's almost like it's a statement. It's why? Why is God worthy of such praise? Well, God is worthy of praise because we're going to see here now behind the scenes. The Holy Spirit of God is going to kind of pull back a curtain here and he's going to dive deep into this thing called our salvation. That when we think of our salvation, we think of what God has done in our life. We think of what has been done for us and to us and through us. It leaves nothing but a place of praise uh, unto our God. But he's going to dig in deeper now and show us what even more behind the scenes of this thing that we call salvation. Look at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Hey, you're blessed of God this morning. God, no, yeah, God has favor on us this morning. God has blessed us. Notice what he's blessed us with. Yes, God blesses us with material things. Yes, God grants us things. He gives us jobs. He gives us money. He gives us the desires of our heart when we have a love relationship with him. My goodness, he even told David after he had sinned with Bathsheba, he said, I gave you your master's wives. I gave you the kingdom. I gave you the throne. I gave you everything. And if you had just asked for more, I would have given it to you, right? I mean, God loves to give us things. He loves to give unto his children good gifts. But notice what's focused on here behind our salvation to the praise of God. 
spiritual blessings. Man, that's rich. Spiritual blessings. What are some spiritual blessings? Boy, I don't know. How about salvation? (laughs) How about sanctification? He's promised to make us like Jesus. I like that a lot. Have you ever get tired of yourself? You ever get tired of your flesh? You ever get tired of your mind sometimes? The things that come through your mind, the things that come through, come out of your heart and you go, wow, I thought, I didn't know that was still there. Boy, I'm telling you, you know what? You know the promise we have one day? A spiritual blessing is our sanctification. He is, we have been sanctified and there's a process of sanctification that we are going through. How about adoption? Boy, that's a great spiritual blessing. Not only have we just been forgiven of our sins, not only did God say, okay, I've taken care of that, but beyond that, tell you what, why don't you come be a part of the family? A friend of mine out in Arizona, it's been about two years, I believe, I forget the date, how long it's been, but uh, uh, I think it's been a couple years now. And he, he posts things often, and just recently he posted something that was, it was heavy, it was pretty jarring. About two years ago, of course, his wife was killed there in a horrible car accident. Drunk driver, 40 years old, crossed the line, slammed right into her side, literally blew the front and the back door off the car, hit so hard, this truck hit him, killed her instantly. They had just, she just celebrated her birthday, just celebrated 42 years of marriage, I mean, I read that morning of the accident. I read a post from him. It was the most, it was, it was surreal. This post on Facebook, and he said, I cannot imagine living life without my wife. It is, I'm so, I thank God so much for the 42 years of marriage. On the, in, in hours, she was dead. He posted not too long ago, a hearing's coming up for the young man that killed my wife. Would you pray for him? I don't want him to go to hell. My wife doesn't want, I know she wouldn't want him to go to hell. He posted again, just recently again, another thing. Here's his name. Here's the prison. Here's the, here's the jail. He is. Would you find time to contact him and give him the gospel? He needs to be saved. Amen. You know what God says? Yeah, I've forgiven you, but I'm also going to call you a child. Yeah. I mean, it's. There's no, I don't think there's more beautiful of a picture of seeing adoption than watching a child of God be concerned about somebody's soul condition who has just destroyed his life. He can come out and still say, I don't want him to go to hell. At one of the court hearings, he stood before him and he, gave him the, he got a chance to give him the gospel. He said, I forgive you and you need Jesus. He said, you took my bride. We've been together since high school. You took her from me. But you need Jesus. No, that's, that's adoption. That's beyond, I mean, even beyond that we can think, God says you're forgiven, but now I want you a part of my family. Unbelievable. That's a spiritual blessing, friend. I've got to hurry up. We're going to be here forever. Contentment. How about contentment? Spiritual, I think that's a, Paul said, I've learned what service state I am there with to, to be content. I think that's a great spiritual blessing. How about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God and love and joy and peace? How about this? How about just his presence? I, I don't know about you. That's a great spiritual blessing. And this is God is worthy of praise. Why? We see behind the scenes a little bit, the spiritual blessings that he has blessed us with. Not, not material blessings, though he has, but his focus is on the spiritual blessings. 
Notice where they are. Spiritual blessings in heavenly places. I like that. Why? This is where the spiritual blessings reside. They're in heaven. What, is that, what does that mean? Well, I'll tell you this. They're far away from this sin-cursed earth. They're a long way to be polluted by this world. They're a far away to be, they can't be stolen. Think about that. Nobody's going to get to heaven and take them away. Nobody can take our spiritual blessings away. They can't, they, they are always in heavenly places. They can't be polluted. They're in one location. We know where they are and we know where they will always be. They'll never be out of this area. It's never be like, okay, well, where'd grace go? Man, Whew. we've lost it. It got away. No, it, it'll never get away. The spiritual blessings that God has for you, the spiritual blessings are in heavenly places. And notice this, it gets even richer. Why are they in heavenly places? Because of the one who's seated at the right hand of the Father. They're in Christ. They are in Christ. They are stored in one person. The person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, can I tell you this morning? I know you know this. Maybe somebody's listening online. They've never thought this through. But I hope they have. But there are no spiritual blessings in Joseph Smith. There are no spiritual blessings in Mary Baker Glover Patterson Eddy. You know who that is, right? Yeah, Christian scientist. I think she started that. Something like that. There's no spiritual blessings in Muhammad. There's no spiritual blessings in Buddha. Amen. Come on. There are, there are no spiritual blessings in the 300 million gods of Hinduism. There are no spiritual blessings in there. Why? Because the word of God says that all of our spiritual blessings are in heavenly places in Christ. That's where they are. The psalmist said over in Psalm 87, he said at the end of, end of verse 7, I love this little phrase. He said he ends it all up. Go read the 87th Psalm. It's beautiful. But he ends it by saying this, All my springs are in thee. But he's saying God is the source of everything in his life. Aren't you glad for that? This is what's in our salvation. Spiritual blessings. They're hidden away in Christ in heavenly places, nobody can get to them. They can't be taken away. Listen, when we pass through the door into the storehouse of blessing, when we do that, well, how do we do that? We do it by coming to Christ. They're in Christ Jesus, not outside of Christ. John 10, 9, Jesus says, I am the door. I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. How do we get into Christ? Well, when we pass through the door into the storehouse of blessings. That's how we get into Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, in Christ, he is what? A new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. These spiritual blessings that we have in our life, they are in Christ Jesus. Every good gift, every perfect gift cometh from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. They are in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ today? Amen. Can I tell you, if you're in Christ today, every spiritual blessing is yours. Yeah. According as he has chosen us. <laughs> Here's where it goes off the rails for some people. According. That word according means in proportion to, agreeably, consistent with. If you'll notice here at the end of verse 3, there's a colon, which now verse 4 is going to kind of explain verse 3. The fact that God blesses us is consistent 
with His choosing of us. <laughs> right. Since He has chosen us, I mean, what comes with the choosing is the blessing. It's all, why? Because that's who God is. We've already established who God is. And if He has chosen us uh, in, in Christ, well, it comes with the blessing. But listen, no one who has chosen lives their Christian life without all of the spiritual blessings of God. They are there for you. Now, some people live a life of disobedience and, and a lack of faith, and they, I believe they miss out on what is in the storehouse, right? They end up living, kind of maybe living uh, outside of the storehouse instead of in it, but, but, uh, or, or uh, living off of those things. Let me say it that way. But He has chosen us. But watch this. Where has He chosen us? Where is the location of the choosing? If somebody says, okay, we're going to have a drawing. And for in that drawing, right, Mary is going to win a brand new car. What's your favorite car? She's going to get a brand new Lamborghini. Minivan. Truck. Anything new. Okay. Anything new. There's going to be a drawing. And the drawing is going to be done at... 137 East Main Street upstairs. I don't know if that even exists. I just made that up. But the, the, the choosing of who wins is going to be done in that location. So if you're there, right, you have now the likelihood of being chosen. If you're not at 137 East Main Street upstairs, you, you're not going to be chosen because you've got to be there to be chosen. So watch this. The choosing of God is at a location. What's the location? Amen. It's in Christ. Watch, it is not a choosing to salvation. He is not choosing who will be saved. He's choosing the saved, what will become of them. I like that. He is choosing those who are in him. It's a, it, this is a brilliant clarification of things that are just have been so turned upside down by Reformed theology and Calvinism. We've not been chosen outside of Christ. We have been chosen inside of Christ. How did you get in Christ? How did you come in the door? Uh, repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You heard the gospel. The drawing of the Holy Spirit began to work upon you. And you responded to the gospel by faith and repentance. And what happened? When you believed the gospel and you admitted to God that He's right and you're wrong, you were in Christ. Amen. You know what happened once you got into Christ? God started choosing. Yeah. The day you were born again, God chose you. What did he choose you for? God decided that all of the blessings in Christ would be yours when you came in him. He chose you. Yeah. All, watch, all of the blessings of God Hinged on a location. Yeah. Not the location of the blessings which are in heaven, but the location of you inside or outside of Christ. When was this done? I'm telling you, this gets richer. It was done before the foundation of the world. 
When did God decide? You, you know what? I, there, there's another word. I, I don't know if I'm right or not. I just it always whenever I see uh, foreordination and predestination and the and the choosing of God and the and the predestination of God. I just I, it just sometimes it just seems to me it's just a, another term, another word for sanctification. God is predetermined before the beginning of time. That listen, you are going to those that came in Christ. He's going to make you like Jesus. That's what he that's what he determined before time began. What a blessing that is. That's a promise that we have of His. It was before the foundation of the world. This is an incredible word, this word foundation. The Greek word here, again, that I don't know, but I can just look up definitions. It's kind of interesting. It is speaking of conception. It is speaking of when, an, uh, when, when, when a seed fertilizes an egg. At the very moment, the genesis of life, the Bible says here, before that time, before God ever spoke one word, before he utter, ever uttered one word of creation of this world into existence, he determined that all who place their faith in Jesus Christ, they will be in Christ, right? And they're going to have access to all of the blessings that are where Christ is that are in Christ. God has no plan B. This was from the beginning of time. This wasn't, oh, Israel messed up. Well, I guess I'll go over here. You know, I, no, it, he had planned it before time. You know what? Even the Old Testament saints, you know what happened when they died? All of their sins were under the blood of those animals, but they were stored up waiting for what? Plan A, the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, that when he came and he saw and he died and the atoning blood was accepted of the Lord Jesus Christ, all of the sins of the Old Testament saints were now placed upon Christ and taken care of. They died in faith believing that. Absolutely. They died in faith looking forward that when the day they died, they died in faith believing that these sins that have been covered by these animals are one day going to be washed away by the blood of the Messiah. And what we do today is we look back at the finished work of Christ and we know that all of our sins have been, have been washed away by the atoning blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that. God determined this before time began. He determined it before he ever created time or anything else. Why did he do this? Why would God do this for us? Look at this at the end of here at verse 4. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. We know that word holy means separate. Remember from last week that word saints, we're all saints, right? We're all saints of God. And what does that word saint means? It means that it is one who is taken out of the commonplace and employed in the heavenly. And God has determined that we are all saints in Jesus Christ. We are holy. We are separate. We've been set apart. We are now at use for, our, we, we are uh, at the use in our new family with our new father and our new elder brother. We have been, uh, he, we are holy and watch this without blame. It's speaking of a sacrifice here. A sacrifice that it had no spot or no blemish that was accepted. As the Passover lamb was brought before the priest to be inspected for them to say, okay, we can sacrifice this one. Or them to say, ah, no, go get another one. This one's got a blemish on it. So, well, listen, so Jesus Christ was inspected. I, th I think the, the wilderness wanderings were a great inspection period. Not, the, not to find out to see that 
to see uh, if he was uh, going to survive the test, but to prove that he would survive the test and that this was very God. It was an inspection period. I like to look at it as it, it, it and, and it was Jesus was inspected. He was found sinless. And, and this is what God wanted for us. This is that word without blame. It's speaking of a sacrifice without spot or blemish. This was God's desire before the foundation of the world that he wanted us to be like Jesus Christ blameless, without blame. And you know what he decided before it all began? Here's what's wrapped up in your salvation. God determined, plan A, I'm going to make you like Jesus. I'm going to, listen, I'm going to make you holy. I'm going to, I'm going to declare you holy. I'm going to de- declare you righteous. I'm going to declare you without, without blame as a sacrifice, without a spot or a blemish. So watch, those who came to Jesus Christ by faith were made without, bl- without blame. Not of their own doings, no, no. Only because they were placed in the one who was without blame. Hey, I love this because, listen, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he's saved us, amen? And he's putting us in Jesus Christ. And when he looks at us, when he, uh, the, uh, we stand, per se, before the bar of heaven and the courts of heaven, and God looks at us, and the, and the books are open, and our record is read, all that says on our record is, well, what do you know? That's Jesus' record. How'd you get Jesus' record? Just believed him. Yeah. Blameless. <laughs> I hope you enjoy this. Blameless. Yeah. Not, not that he never sinned, but that he was never a sinner. <laughs> this is your record. Yeah, I, I like that. This, this is wonderful. Why did he do this? Well, God wanted a relationship that was broken by sin to be whole again. Hmm. He created us, right? We're made after his likeness and image. We're able to have a relationship with him. We have that ability that nothing, no other animal in the animal world has. God never, he wanted us to have that. We're the crown jewel of his creation and he wanted it restored. The only way to restore that was to judiciously, legally, quote, put us in Christ and give us the record of Jesus. Yeah. But it gets better. <laughs> Look at verse 5. We'll be done here in just a minute. Or 10. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Oh, there's that predestination word. Predestined to what? Does it say we've been predestinated to salvation? Does it say we've been predestinated to be, uh, to, to be the chosen? <laughs> predestined, this is why I say, this is why uh, I say predestination is, is sanctification. He's predestinated, he's pre, he has predetermined, right, that all who are in Christ Jesus... Watch, we'll come into the family now under adoption. A child of God. Who brought us into the family? Jesus. Yep. Jesus, he, he received us. This is predestination here. Not salvation. Not salvation. 
but sonship. Yeah, through adoption. Why adoption? Because we're not biologically his, friend. <laughs> right? Sin's kind of really messed that up and other things. But adoption. Why did God do this? We're talking about our salvation this morning. Why did God save you? Hey, why did God determine to put you in Christ? Why did God determine to give you all of the spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus? Why did God desire, uh, why, why did God desire to change your life and do it? In, why has He done this? What is the backstory? We've been looking at all of the backstory here, but look how He sums it all up here at the end of verse five. According to the good to the good pleasure of His will. Why? Because He wanted to. Amen. Hmm. Not because we did anything. Not because we accomplished anything. We destroyed a lot of stuff. We're still destroying stuff. Yeah. Because he wanted to. Why? Because he's a God of love. Because he's a God of mercy. Because he's a God who delights in mercy. He's a God of grace. Look what it says here. Why does he do this? Why has he done this? Why has he done all of these things for us? Look at this in verse 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace. No, this is what the conclusion of this little section is. This, 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 uh, this backstory to what is already a wow, the, the dimension that's added to the salvation that we enjoy and live in when we look at all that God has done and that all that God has planned, that all that God has given us and why He does it. The only thing that we're left doing here after this is, is to praise the glory, the majesty, the, the magnificence of His grace. Because that's all of grace. We just look at it and go, wow. Wow. Why do you enjoy what you do today? Because of the grace of God. Why are you in Christ Jesus today? Because of the grace of God. Why do you fall? Why are you the, the called? Because of the grace of God. Yeah. Praise extol, to brag upon, to thank. Here's the backstory. Because God loved us, He gave us the only one who could atone for our sins. He gave Jesus. And before one creative word was spoken, God determined that whosoever will Whosoever would receive Jesus Christ would be in Christ, would have the legal position of adoption, would have all of the spiritual blessings that are there, would have the very record of Jesus himself, which is without blame, before the courts of heaven, pure, as pure as Jesus, because he wanted to. Because for some unknown reason, he loved us. Yeah. I had a car I had traded for, uh, I don't know what year it was, 1990, maybe 2000. And in this trade, I got a 78 black and gold Trans Am. I liked that. It was a beautiful car. And uh, I ended up having the car for about 12 years. And uh, one, one year I thought, you know what, the thing sits in the garage. I drive it about 1,000 miles a year. Um, I don't do anything with it. Uh, I'll, be, I'll be very transparent. I, we had a, 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 an amount of money that God put on our heart for missions that year. And I thought, 
perfect. I don't, I don't drive the thing. We can, we can use this. And uh, so I sold it. I put it on an ad for sale. I don't even know. Well, no, I wasn't, didn't, there was no Facebook marketplace. I don't, think. I don't even know what I used. But I put an ad out there for it for sale. And um, a guy called and was interested in it. And uh, our oldest daughter, she used to drive it once in a while. I told her I was selling it. And she's like, oh, you can't sell that. That's my car. You gave it to me. How many had kids who said you promised them something you'd never promised them? And uh, I said, I did not. And anyway, so she was like, you can't sell that. Well, I gave her the backstory. I said, well, the guy called and he said, when he met his wife, his wife had a Trans Am like this one, but it was yellow. And he said, we got married and we went off to college and we couldn't afford college, so we sold her car. And he goes, I always vowed that when I got enough money, I'm going to buy her car for her again because she sold it so we could go to college. And he goes, I know this one's not yellow, but I'm going to take it and it's going to be completely redone. That yellow was so rare, I can't even find one. And I'm just going to rebuild this one. And I told the girls this. And of course, all of them goes, oh, you've got to sell it to him, Dad. You've got to sell it. Well, well, it was the backstory. It was beautiful, right? They're like, they went from no to, oh, come on, sell it. And I did. I sold it to him, you know. You know, when we read the backstory of our salvation, there ought to be a wow factor to it. Watch. The backstory of that old car was a relationship. It was a, it was a relationship that was beautiful between a man and a wife. And the backstory of our salvation is a relationship between God and man. Yeah. Causes us to praise the majesty of His glory and of His grace. Amen. I can't help but think of the, the song, when you take it all in, there's this song, and I, you understand it a little bit. One of the verses, he says this, As at the cross I humbly bow and gaze upon thy thorn-crowned brow and view the precious bleeding form by cruel nails so bruised and torn. Knowing thy suffering was for me in grief, I cry, how can it be? How can it be? How can it be? The refrain goes, that God should love a soul like me. Oh, how can it be? The backstory. Have you lost the wonder of your salvation? Do the flames need fanned a little bit? Has the wow factor? Oh, it's still a wow, but boy, there's another dimension that it's kind of kind of gotten used to it. You know what you need to do? You just need to go back and read the backstory again. Spend some time meditating on exactly all that God did to bring you to Christ. Because he wanted to. Because he wanted to. Let me ask you this. Are you in Christ? You may be watching today. maybe watching online. Question to you. Are you in Christ? You can be. Listen, there are no blessings anywhere else outside of Christ. There is no relationship that you're looking for that's outside of Christ. There's no peace and contentment you're looking for. And you're looking, but it's, it's not outside of Christ. It's only in Christ. And so many people, what? They have tried and tried and tried and tried and tried everything and they're left empty still. Why? Because it's only in Christ. It's only in Christ. Have you lost the wonder of it? Have you lost it? Have you waned a little bit? Spend some time, would you? Especially this 
season when we remember the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's spend a little bit of time meditating this week. Pray the Holy Spirit would bring it back to our minds, some of these things. We just might meditate and room, uh, ruminate or rheumatate, however that word is. Chew on it. How's that? Chew on it for a little while. All that God's done. Father, thank you. For your, for your maj, majesty and grace. God, that you would choose us in Christ. And even if the cynic wants to say, but oh, we're only chosen in Christ. It was only Christ. But God, you still offered Christ. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Father, I'm so thankful that you loved us. Out of your mercy and your grace, you provided Jesus. And in providing Jesus all that came with him and that is in him, that is ours. It's astounding, really. And I know in this life of ours, we'll never come to the end of the, the glory of it, and the majesty of it, never. But Lord, would you help us just to meditate on it a little bit this week? And Lord, if the, if the, if the flames have simmered just a little, we pray your Holy Spirit, the truth of your word, which is blow life onto him again, or that we'd be drawn nearer to thee, that we'd have hearts burning for thee. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we stand, if you would. That instrument's going to play. However the Lord has spoken to you today, Maybe you just need to spend a little time where you are thanking the Lord for all that He's done. All that He's done because He wanted to, because He loved you. Are you in Christ? You can be today. Let's be closed in a word of prayer this morning, and we'll see you back tonight. There are some little flyers printed up for uh, the 18th for our Christmas dinner uh, to invite people. And uh, 
let me say this again. I said in Sunday school, if you invite somebody and they say they are coming, would you just let myself or Sherry know and we can kind of keep a, a better count. And there is a sign-up sheet out in the foyer uh, for food to bring. If you'd sign up for that and bring whatever you sign up for. How's that? So, all right, let's be closed in a word of prayer uh, this morning. Brother Davidson, would you close us in prayer, please? Oh,